Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Yeah, so we have uh, the storm moving over the city of Edmonton right now. I appreciate everybody uh, texting. And it's, I just went out to our reception area because we got a big, big windows looking to the south and there's the dark cloud and then almost a, a very definite end to it and then kind of normal blue sky looking to the south. At least that's from our spot here on Roper Road. Uh, I got a text about 10 minutes ago about uh, hail, wind and lightning in Riverbend. Uh, Ellerslie getting wind, uh, lots of rain, gray clouds. Uh Century Park, LRT, and Blue Quill, very strong winds and heavy rain, thunder and lightning. Those were those coming in about 10 minutes ago, and it uh, looks like it's kind of moving to the northeast, and uh, we do have areas northeast of Edmonton under that severe thunderstorm warning uh, as, as well. So, uh, again, the severe thunderstorm warning... Uh, you know, mean you got to watch out for a hail, the heavy winds, obviously uh, the rain, and be careful if you're out there driving or just maybe stay in for a while if you do have to go out. We'll keep you updated here on 630 Chet. This is Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's a luxury and it's definitely a blessing to be able to play hockey and get paid to do that. So not many people get that opportunity. Inside Sports presents Living the Dream. dream with an Edmonton kid who has had his hockey career take him all over the world, literally, not just North America, all over the world. I'm pleased to uh, welcome Rory Rollick to the show. Rory, you're on Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to talk to you. And you're coming to us from Australia. Uh, this is this is pretty cool. We have not profiled anybody playing in Australia on Living the Dream. Uh, the Sydney Ice Dogs, is that the team? That's the team, yeah. Tell us a little bit about hockey uh, in Australia. Like, let, let people know about the, the league and who you play and the caliber and all that fun stuff. Well, um, uh, yeah, it's a uh, pretty cool experience, obviously, uh, you know, here in Australia. Yeah. Um, we uh, we play all the teams around around the, the country. Um, they fly us all over, and uh, we go in for a couple games, and then they come for come down to Sydney uh, on the weekends. We play, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's pretty neat experience. Obviously, uh, they 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 fly us out here. Uh, they give us a house. There's there's uh, four of us imports um, on our team. We we got all Canadians um, from different places. And uh, they they got us a nice uh, big house right on the right on the ocean, and uh, yeah, we practice a couple times a week. It's uh, 
you know, obviously the, it's the hockey here, you, you know, you're not going to compare it to, to the big countries around the world, but uh, it, it's more for the experience. And uh, obviously, like any league, they're, they're trying to grow it and, and get some guys over here and, and uh, teach them teach them some stuff and uh, have, uh, have a blast while you're doing it. So uh, it's a pretty good thing they got going here right now. So you're one of four Canadians on your team? Yeah. Correct. So, is there a limit? It sounded like there was a there's a limit to the number of non Australian the team non Australians a team can have. Then, yeah, each team you're you're allowed to play uh, with four imports. Uh, some teams are carrying extra one, uh, well, uh, five or six, just case injury or, or whatnot. And uh, and then you have a couple guys that uh, actually uh, move down here and find themselves. Uh, girlfriends and then they become wives and then they get their residency so there's a couple teams uh i know in melbourne and that a uh, couple of the canadian guys actually have their residency so they don't count count as imports so uh those teams usually with the with a few of those guys uh got the upper hand a little bit okay but, uh, that's that's pretty cool yes, uh, how how did this opportunity come about? I mean, you've played overseas before, and we want to talk about uh, in Europe, and obviously you've played in the AHL and the ECHL. So, I mean, would did somebody call you, or like how did you how did you first get approached by this team? Actually, uh, I, I finished my season. I was I was down in Atlanta. I went to uh, visit one of my best friends in, in Charlotte, and then I, I drove home uh, the 36-hour trek back to Edmonton and uh, got back home. And then I I, uh, I was laying around on the couch pretty exhausted from the travel, and uh, I got a, a message on Facebook from a guy I used to play against, actually, in the U.K., uh, Kevin Harvey, uh, the brother of former Oiler Todd Harvey, actually. And uh, he... Uh, he wrote me a message, and, and he had played down here, I guess. And uh, he met a girl, and, and he's married and living down here. So he uh, he kind of pitched it to me. And, uh, you know, it, it, obviously it's Australia, so it, it, it sounded pretty good and a cool experience. But, uh, yeah, I was a little little tired from the season of the travel. Uh, been doing it quite a while, so I wasn't sure. And, uh, you know, then I thought to myself, hey, why not uh, – Go go to Australia for a couple months and and, and see that country. So uh, yeah, that kind of just a Facebook message and uh, hopping on an airplane basically got me down here. All right, so it's their winter, but I'm assuming it's uh, it's not really winter, is it, Rory? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's definitely not in not an Edmonton winter, that's for sure. So. Uh, you know, it cools down at nighttime, but uh, you know from usually early in the morning till about four o'clock uh you know we we still head down to the beach and and hop in the ocean sometimes so it's it's definitely uh not the winters uh most canadians are used to all right uh tell me a little bit about the the crowds and the fan reaction and knowledge to hockey because i i obviously do not think i mean they probably call it ice hockey even i would imagine what's uh what's the what are the crowds like how knowledgeable are they um, you know what? They're actually uh, like anything that that you kind of. It's it's one of those uh, once you get them out to the rink, and, and, and again, uh, you know, a couple of the rinks here, uh, you don't have glass. They have uh, like the mesh around, and uh, you know, it's it's pretty funny some of the places you play, and then you'll have some some rinks that are are like back home. So it's it's kind of hit or miss, but 
Yeah, the fans, they actually seem to really enjoy it. Uh, you know, I think hockey is one of those sports where a lot of people, even if they don't know about it, once you get them to a game, they're all, uh, they get pretty excited about it. And, uh, you know, we, we've done a lot of work uh, with the guys and uh, around the community kind of to, to promote it and, and, and try and get people out to it. And uh, obviously they do that, uh, they do that ice hockey classic for the concussions where uh, the Team Canada versus USA um, down here, and I, I had the, the pleasure of playing, playing in that. And, uh, you know, so just things like that grow the game for sure. People see that, and, uh, you know, they want to check it out. I don't know if they know exactly what's going on at all times, but uh, it's fast. Uh, you know, they like rugby and, and games like that where people are hitting each other. So, uh, you know, hockey's... Uh, just maybe a, a little bit of rugby-esque on the ice. So uh, I'm sure they enjoy it, and, and we get a good reception from them. So it's uh, the fans are pretty good. All right, Rory Rollick joining us inside sports on 6.30. Chad, the segment is living the dream. He's just started playing with the Sydney Ice Dogs. Uh, you know, you played in the Western Hockey League. I mentioned you've had a lot of uh, minor pro stops. But tell us a little bit about, uh, uh, I, I mean, you, know, you grew up and most of your minor hockey was in Edmonton, right? Is there, is there, there any... Th- neighborhood rinks or coaches or teammates you look back on and say man i'm glad i had that person in my life yeah you know i i, I grew up in gibbons actually outside edmonton a okay. small town and uh moved moved to the city when i was 13 uh i went and played for the the north side where the braves there and then uh maple leafs kind of kind of through that and then uh i played uh uh in the in the Western Hockey League, I went out there, and, and then I came back and actually played uh, for the Camrose Kodiaks in uh, in the Junior A, and uh, won a national championship with them in 2000. And uh, you know, had uh, you know got uh, a contract from the Rangers from that actually, and then so I went back to the Western Hockey League after that for a couple of years, and uh, eventually. Uh, you know, started my minor uh, pro career after that. So, uh, obviously, uh, had a lot of great coaches and, and teammates through all that. Uh, you know, Brett Sutter, um, I got to play for him in Red Deer. He was obviously uh, a coach that sticks out in my mind and, uh, you know, definitely uh, helped you and, uh, you know, uh, taught you kind of the pro side of things. And, uh, you know, he, he was definitely important and along with uh, just playing there that year was, was so, yeah, it was a it was a good upbringing uh, playing hockey out in Edmonton for sure. And and uh, you're a big guy, aren't you? Aren't you uh, like six four, six five? Yeah, six five. Yeah, six five. All right. So obviously that's I'm sure always helped when if you've had to look yeah, for a for new sure. job or something, eh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They like the big D back here. Okay. Um, something kind of scary happened to you a few years ago. Uh, was it? Were, were you playing in England when the when the eye injury happened? Uh, wh- when was that? And what do you what do you remember about that? I, I know I've read about it. Uh, I think it was three or four years ago. That was a pretty scary one, eh? Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely. You know, I've had some some injuries, some some uh, shoulder stuff and things like that. But uh, definitely anything with uh, with your vision. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was this that was a scary one for sure. Uh, I had. Uh, nine facial fractures and uh yeah my eye socket snapped and uh so i i thought my thought i was blind for sure and 
you know, I, I, uh, I remember all of it. That's the, that's the part that's, you know, sometimes it, it still wakes you up at night when you think about it or you got to switch your brain off to it. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a kind of a freak accident and, uh, hit me in, uh, the, the right spot to, to break a lot of things. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a tough goal and they, uh, they had a really good uh, eye specialist out there in the UK and, uh, you know, put some, had a good surgery and uh, put some metal plates in it and uh, fixed me back up. And, uh, you know, they did a pretty good job, I guess, for, for everything that, that went down. But, yeah, it was definitely a very uh, scary op- scary thing to happen and definitely not something you, you'd wish upon anybody. So that was in uh, in 2014 when you were playing in Dundee, and it was it was in practice, right? It wasn't like just a total freak thing, eh? Yeah, yeah. It was just uh, the guy did a, a splat pass. I, I read the play kind of, and I, I seen the play coming, and he just kind of wrapped his stick up. So I was going down, and the puck was coming up. So it was uh, it was it was a kind of a car crash to the face kind of thing. It wasn't. Uh, didn't have time to, to move out of the way or, or whatever. So, yeah, I just kind of went down, and uh, all of a sudden, I, you know, I was, I was fishing through through the blood on the ice as bad as that sounds, you know, because I thought my eye was gone, and, uh, you know, your mind kind of goes to a different place. And I, I remember I just got up and skated off the ice and uh, heard everyone freaking out around me, and then I, I went in the locker room, and I, I started taking off my gear, and then... Uh, and the ambulance showed up, and I went and shocked a little bit. But I, uh, I went and took a shower because I was freezing, and and then uh, put my pants on, grabbed my cell phone, and hopped hopped in the ambulance. And they they took me off, and and then that week was uh, probably one of the worst weeks of my life, waiting for surgery. And uh, you know, once once they they put me back together, uh, I think I sat out for about three weeks, and then. Uh, put a cage on and then uh, played in playoffs. Did you ever consider taking more time off or even not coming back to hockey after that injury? Uh, no, I I, I was kind of contemplating obviously uh, when after the surgery um, but it was, you know, the, the team even allowed me, they said I could fly home if I wanted to and uh, and, uh, you know, I definitely, uh, you know, a part of me was thinking maybe it'd be the smart thing to do. But, uh, no, actually, I just kind of shut that idea down pretty quick and told them I'd like to stay and, and, and stick around and be a part of everything. And, you know, they were happy to obviously that I wanted to. And then uh, I had my uh, appointment with the, the doctor and, you know, he said he wouldn't recommend it, but he's not going to say I can't do it. And uh, he said it was kind of up to me. So, like I said, I just kind of threw the bubble on and, and hopped back out there and uh, joined the team for, for the playoffs. Have you kept wearing uh, the full bubble or extra shielding, or you're back to the visor? No, I, I just wear my visor a little more properly now. Okay, fair enough. Rory Rollick joining us, Living the Dream on Inside Sports. Uh, Rory, you know, thanks for taking us through part of your journey. I, I always kind of close this segment with this question. I mean, you're you're 33 years old. You've mentioned Western Hockey League. I'm not going to read off every stop, but, you know, Charlotte, Hartford, Phoenix. We mentioned Dundee in the U.K. Now you're in, in Australia. Uh, what What's kept you going? Uh, year after year, maybe sometimes not knowing even what country or what continent you're going to be on next. What what's kept you going to the rink and uh, and staying in pro hockey here into your 30s? 
Yeah, you know, uh, I I love playing the game. I I love everything uh, that comes with it. Um, obviously, it's uh, there's a lot that goes on. Uh, you know, that people don't see. There's a lot of hard times. Uh, you know, it's it's tough sometimes traveling. Like you know, I've been uh, probably about nine countries, been all over the world, and uh, obviously you take off on friends and family and things like that. So you know that that gets difficult at times, but. Uh, just the love of the game and, and, and playing and, and competing and uh, you know it's, it's almost like a self-competition too just to see how long you can take it and uh, um, you know I, I still I still enjoy going out there and, and playing it and uh, you know the training side of it uh, I think that actually like kind of the older you get the more you kind of appreciate stuff so you, you put in that extra effort maybe that uh, you didn't you didn't realize you needed to when you're when you were younger you know like that goes with uh, maturing and all that stuff but uh you know it's it's if you're not making the big bucks in the nhl uh i i'm able to use hockey to see the world and uh and travel and uh and you know you still get paid and uh it's, it's enough to, to take care of myself and like i said i get to meet a lot of great people and, and, and see the world and uh and i get to play hockey so uh uh, putting all that together, that's that's pretty much uh, you know the reason why it keeps me going. And uh, uh, obviously for my family too, they they get to still watch me and uh, and see that I'm enjoying myself. So uh, you know even if I can't be with them, they got to watch me on the internet or things like that. So all all those kind of things, uh, you know, it becomes bigger than yourself sometimes. And uh, you know it's it's still a lot of fun for me. Well, Roy, you're an incredible story. I, I really appreciate we got to connect. I hope we can talk again. And all the best the rest of the season in Australia. I'm curious to see how it plays out for you. Thanks for living the dream with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. What a story. Rory Rollick playing in Australia for the Sydney Ice Dogs. He told the story about the scary eye injury he had when he was playing in the U.K. Really glad to connect with him, as he told you uh, uh, lived in Gibbons, then lived uh, in Edmonton, and his career has taken him tons of places. Love that Live in the Dream segment. You can text 630-630. It is 723. Uh, Patrick Bauer on the other side of the window. It looks like it is not as dark as it was earlier in the evening with uh, the passing clouds. And yeah. I'm not by any means suggesting we're in the clear, but at least where we are, it appears uh, not as dark. Did you hear the rain coming down? I couldn't. Was Probably it? for a good 20 minutes. It was pretty heavy. Yeah, I couldn't hear it in here. But, yeah, it, it's it's moving through. Again, there are severe thunder, thunderstorm warnings for uh, much of, of northern Alberta. So uh, watch the skies wherever you are. And Thomas Dias will have more on the news coming up at 730. Quick timeout. So we do have confirmation from the uh, Alberta Emergency Public Alert System. A tornado did touch down northwest of Breton today. Thomas Dias will have the latest on that and the warnings and the watches coming up in the 730. News. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. This portion of the show presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Eskimos home to Ottawa tomorrow, 6 o'clock on 630 Chad for the countdown to kickoff. The game will start at 8 as the Eskimos try to push their record to 3-0. and the Rocky Mountain Nationals set to go at Castrol Raceway. We'll catch up with Tim Boychuk 
in the next half hour of the show. Remember, you can always reach me by texting 630-630, our open line 780-496-0063. Follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. CFL tonight, we have Toronto and Winnipeg going at it. That game tied at 10. We'll keep you updated throughout the evening. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Now 17-13, Winnipeg leading Toronto in the CFL. About five and a half minutes left in the second quarter there. Winnipeg coming in at 1-1, Toronto at 2-1, Eskimos and Red Blacks tomorrow night. On this very station, our coverage will start at 6. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. You just heard uh, Thomas Dias give you an update uh, on the weather. We'll check in with him uh, later on this half hour as well. Pleased to be joined on the line by Tim Boychuk, who's getting ready for uh, Rocky Mountain Nationals out at Castro Raceway. Hey, Tim, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Everything's good, Reed. How yourself? I'm doing very well. Uh, are, are you keeping dry tonight? Where have you been here during the storm? I, I, I huddled back in our, our camper here and, and uh, waited out the rain. We had a bit of a storm. Uh, sun's back shining now. Rain stopped. Uh, everything's looking good, and everything's looking good for the whole weekend. Okay, perfect. B- before we, we we set up the weekend here, Tim, I, I want to get to know uh, you a little bit. I know we have we have talked before, but uh, how long have have you been involved in, in, in racing now? It's been a while, hasn't it? Not that I'm saying you're old or anything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm glad I made it to this age. That's for sure. But uh, no, it's uh, this is my 25th season of racing this year. So we've we've had a pretty good run and uh, done a lot of cool things and uh, still enjoying it. Okay, now has it been all all varieties of of racing? Most mostly drag racing. Like, tell people what you what kind of cars you've been in over the years. Well, I started on the oval track here in 1993. And uh, started a Wasola late model, got into a legend car, then I got into the 360 wing sprints. And I was planning on packing it up, and a friend of mine, Cal Teb, got me into a drag car, and I tried it out and told him I had to get a lot quicker than that. And uh, before you know it, I went from there to an uh, uh, alcohol funny car, and, and then to the fastest cars on the drag strip, the top fuel dragsters. And now we've dropped it down a little bit. We're on the Nitro Nostalgia car, and we're just having a blast doing it. Okay, so do you have, uh, I mean, obviously you, you love racing. Do you have a favorite type of car or style of racing over the years, or do you just kind of get engaged with whatever you're doing? I, I just get engaged with whatever I'm doing. I love driving anything, and it's funny, I, I, Rob and I were talking this morning here at the racetrack, and, and I says, uh, going back, man, I'll drive the water truck down the racetrack. It doesn't matter to me. Whatever I can do is do something, be competitive, and uh, and hopefully be good at it. All right, now I got to ask because you mentioned in '93 you started off, uh, you know, oval doing the oval racing, and, and now you've gotten more into the drag. Um, w- when you were doing oval, did you like, yeah, like I like doing longer races? You jockey for position. Did you kind of like, why would I want to do something that lasts five seconds? Was it a, was it a difficult transition? Well, it, it, it's exactly what you're saying. Is that uh, back then, you know, you go out there and you you work on the car for two hours, go out and race it for fifteen. 
Uh, this year we work on the car for two hours and you're there for less than two minutes from the time you start it and finish the run. So it, it, it was a big difference going from one to the other. But um, I guess with getting a little bit older, it's it's a little bit easier on the body to do the, this quick stuff and not doing the... Uh, beating and banging out there on the on the oval track. What what I mean, I mean, take me like way back to the beginning. What got you into into a into a car to begin with? Was it was it a buddy? Was it your own interest? What started your racing? It, it was a buddy, and uh, adult beverages were involved. <laughs> oh, jeez! And uh, hopefully after the, the fact. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Well, was that before I bought the car? Before I bought the car, so so yeah, we got talking one night. Uh, there's three or four of us, and uh, it's Reg and Steve and myself, and. And Red says he wanted to buy a car, and Steve said he wanted me to be a part of it. And I said, what does he want me to do? And he said he wants you to buy half and drive it. And uh, I heard the car run once in the shop and went straight on the track, and I hit just about everything out there that you could hit that you weren't supposed to hit. Give me a sense of the of the time and money commitment you have to put in, especially when you're trying to establish yourself. Well, you know, you start off, with a small trailer and you put a little bit more money in to get a little bigger trailer to get a little better car a little better motor and you keep growing it so you know in 25 years we've grown it into a pretty nice operation we've got a, a, a new trailer and you know cars up to date and we've got some new stuff here so it's just you know it's like it's like going fishing you start with a tackle box and a fishing rod and before you know it you got a pickup and a camper and a boat and how much does it cost you cost you to catch that fish Give me a give me a give me a sense of the uh, of getting younger people involved in the sport and, and keeping the sport vital uh, and alive. I mean, is is that difficult? Uh, has have there been ebbs and flows over the years? How would you how would you define that part of it? I'd say twenty years. A lot of the the dragway racing was fading and failing away because there wasn't nothing for uh, entry class for for people unless they had to spend quite a bit of money and. And then out here at Castro, they got into what they call the junior dragsters, and I think they're as young as eight years old starting in, in them now. I'm not positive on that, but um, they've, they've, they've got a, a starting spot for the kids on the drag strip, and, and come out, watch them, and see these kids in these cars. It's, it's marvelous to watch. So there is a new resurgence in the last 15 years. Their kids are coming out of these cars and getting into big show cars. Uh, I have a new son-in-law, and that's how he started in a junior dragster, and he's, you know, he's run a top fuel car. He has a top fuel license. And that's how a lot of these guys are doing it nowadays, which is really good. You've got a real good stepping stone to go from a, a relatively inexpensive car and work your way up. And if you're any good at it, there's you no know, teams will pick you up and, and, and move you over into a, a newer, faster car. So um, things have really turned around, I believe. And, and it's such a family-motivated sport. Uh, unless you're out here and really sense it, when you get the uh, the young kids out here and, and before you know it, they're all playing together in the park after the races are over and before you know it, a bunch of them are getting married because they're that age already. It's, it's really kind of a neat thing. So it is a, a real family sport that even when I got started racing, I didn't realize how much of a family deal it was and I'm glad to be a part of it, and we're sure having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, that that's a great point about about the family aspect too, and, and the camaraderie and the bonds that that get created by the people working on a car for sure. So you know, it's funny, Tim, because last night uh, I, I was talking about um, you know the NBA is trying to speed up the pace of games. Obviously, the NFL and the CFL have battled with trying to keep games under three hours. Maybe for this Twitter generation, drag racing it's is where it's at, right? How long is it? How long does a race take? <laughs> well, that it, it, it varies for the uh, you know uh, if if the track has got everything going well, which Cashmore does a great job. If they can uh, get the the timing right, 
and you you you, you start on at seven o'clock and you finish at eight eight thirty or nine or nine thirty, you know, and then and then there's the other cars that run around the professional cars, and they kind of fill in stuff. If everything goes good, they can they can have a really nice nice show, and uh, uh, it's 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 it works out usually really well. But how like how long is an individual race like you against another guy? It's seconds, isn't it? Well, from the time we start our car and the other car starts, uh, we're usually just under two minutes from the time we started to the time we shut the car off. So start it, do the burnout, back up, stage the car, the other car stages beside you, hit the gas, and our you know, our run is our runs are five point six, five point eight yeah. seconds. That's, inc- oh, yeah, that's incredible. Runs less than two minutes. Yeah, the, but uh, yeah, I was getting into like the fi- the five point what, whatever seconds that it takes. So I mean, do you? Because I've interviewed you before and drag racers before. How do you hone your reaction time? Because it, a lot of it comes down to that, right? Yeah, it, it's a big factor. I mean, the, the better you can be quicker off the line. It's you know, it's, if you're a sprint racer, sprint, sprinter on on foot, and and you hear ready, set, go. If you can hear go quicker than the other person, that's what gets you off faster, and that gives you that starting advantage. And and the same with our cars. So, so if you can then uh, look at the light and see it before your competitor sees it and be gone, a lot of times he can be faster than you, and you can still win the race and on what we call a whole shot win. So it, you've got to be on your game. For me, um, uh, I've been known to have an adult beverage that helps me cut a good light. So. Uh, Guys, make sure I don't have any red wine at night. Okay, there you go. Uh, Tim Boychuk joining us. And I want to set up the weekend, but I love talking to you about your experiences. And and I always ask this question of, uh, you know, usually if I talk to somebody in any sort of auto racing, uh, any sort of chuck wagon racing or rodeo event, I usually ask this, and I sort of hate to do it, but sometimes there's a good story there. Um, you know, have you ever had uh, had a wreck, uh, you know, or scariest moment or any any story like that you can share? Well, I've had quite a few incidents that uh, were uh, uh, equipment-related more so than driver-related. But um, to be honest with you, there's really nothing that has scared me because I feel so safe in my car. I, I, I feel safer in my race car at the racetrack than I do going down Highway 2 between Edmund and Calgary. And uh, I, 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 I've had, you know, uh, my third race of my life in a drag car. Uh, I put it into the wall at probably 140 miles an hour. Had a, a, an A-frame break, and uh, nothing bothered me. It didn't bother me, and it's just that's what we do. And I, I think that if anybody gets injured in in an auto race, it's usually because there's some kind of a freak deal that happened. Because I think that our safety equipment and our safety of the car and the technology we have nowadays. You know, they're pretty indestructible, but, you know, I mean, anything can happen, that's for sure. But, uh, no, I, I feel very comfortable in the car, and it, it, I put my son-in-law in the car. Uh, it's, it's, it's like I say, it's, I feel safer that than my street car. Tim Boychuk joining us on Inside Sports. Tim, I just want to let everybody know that the severe thunderstorm warning for the city of Edmonton, St. Albert, and Sherwood Park has been lifted. We're still under a watch, and there still are uh, warnings for uh, other areas uh, around Edmonton. So so do keep watching the skies and be careful if you're going out. I just wanted to give people that update. Okay, Tim, uh, thanks for sharing your history and your experiences. But now we want to talk about the here and now. Uh, we got Rocky Mountain Nationals coming up at Castrol. Uh, 
I, I believe we got uh, for the initial round starting tomorrow night at 7, and then I'll stuff all through the weekend. Just give give me and listeners a sense of, of why this is important and why it's such a big deal in your world. Well, Edmonton being our hometown, you know, born and raised here, and uh, the support we get from family and friends and our sponsors, uh, it's and, and, and to be honest with you, in our class of cars, this is the biggest race in North America for the Nostalgia Nitro Funny Cars. Uh, this is always the biggest one with the most fan base, and uh, to, to know that I know quite a few of them out there is, is very humbling, and it's nice to see them all come out and be a part of it. So this, this one's the big one. Um, we've won it uh, four out of seven or eight years or something. So, you know, we've had quite a bit of success here, and uh, you know, we want to keep that up and and uh, try and make sure that we can do it again. So, we're we're laying laying every, everything on the table to make sure we get out there and, and put in some good rounds and do some good racing and give the fans a really good show. How many rounds are you going to have to win to win this event to be the champ on Sunday, Tim? Like, is it pretty grueling? Uh, it's not too bad. We have one qualifier tomorrow night. We've got two qualifiers on Saturday, and then elimination start at noon on Sunday. And, and if, if, if everything goes good, we'll be in all three rounds because they take the eight cars, and, of course, eight to four and four to two and two right. to one. So it's three rounds on Sunday, and, and we're, we're planning on being in every one of those rounds and, and then hopefully in the winner's circle at the end. Okay, and give me a sense of, like, is it just your category of cars, or is there, are there going to be a whole bunch of competitions going on? Oh, you know, there's probably over 300 cars here this nice. weekend. I'm not sure the total in our class, but uh, uh, there's there's there, there's racing. They'll start at nine o'clock in the morning and go till the the pro show starts in the evening, and then uh, Saturday night we'll start at at six and probably finish around ten eleven or so. So it's it, it's a full day to be out here, and there's so many great cars and such such great racing. It's it's really good for for. All the fans come out and see. Is, is there an opportunity for fans to actually meet the drivers and maybe go up and see some of the vehicles up close? Oh, definitely. The uh, the the when you purchase a ticket here at Casper Raceway, that gives you an automatic pit pass. You can come right up to. I, I mean, I'm telling this from the bottom of my heart. Come over to my pits. Come say hello. Have a look around and watch how our guys work on the car between rounds. Uh, we we changed the whole eight pistons, uh, transmission, and clutch between rounds, which is uh, same as what the big show cars do uh, in the NHRA. So it's it's really, really, really interesting. And yes, they can come, they can sit, and if we have the time, I, I, I'll let youngsters sit in the car and the, even, you know, people who want to. We get really close and personal with the, with the fans that come down. They're more than welcome to come stand beside and talk with the drivers and the crew, and, and most of the crew and, and drivers are very, very open with the people and really enjoy having that, that uh, touch with them. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, uh, I, I, I probably kept you longer than you wanted to, but uh, I got the schedule here. Saturday at 9, what is the night of fire? That sounds like it could be fun. Uh, after the, well, when we run our nitro cars, we usually have about four to six foot hitter flames off the pipe as we go down the track. We've got a couple top field drags here that probably have eight to ten foot header planes out the pipe. And then they'll have the jet cars. The jet cars put on a heck of a, a smoke and fire show. So that's what they call the night of fire. And uh, if you've never seen it, it is totally, totally amazing. 
Okay. All right. So stuff starts tomorrow, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Rocky Mountain Nationals, CastrolRaceway.com. Tim Boychuk has been our guest. He's trying to win it again. Tim, uh, if you do win it, I'm going to have to bug you for an interview on Monday night. Okay, buddy? You bet. I'll be there for you, Reed. All right. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Jet. Have a good night, and I appreciate talking to you. That is Tim Boychuk checking in. Love talking to him. Rocky Mountain Nationals, huge event at Castro Raceway. He is uh, fired up for that, and it is a pretty fun uh, feature. You can go meet the drivers, look at the cars, maybe even get to sit in them in between the races. That is some cool stuff. 17-16, Winnipeg now leading Toronto. Minute 40 left in the first half in Winnipeg. That's been a pretty good game so far. Uh, Opening kickoff was a return for a touchdown, and they haven't really let up since then. 749 quick timeout inside sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Just one time. Just one time Vince Neal. Someday we should give away tapes on this show. Like if you answer a trivia question, you get Dr. Feelgood on tape. You know, maybe you get a tape of Pyromania. I don't think anybody's done that. The uh, Alice Cooper trash tape. That's what we should do. Give away tapes. Are, are you a little surprised, Patrick, that uh, the vinyl has made the comeback that it has? Yeah, actually. Little aside. Uh, because, well, not an aside. Related. So HMV... Uh, it's done, right? Yeah. HMV no longer exists anywhere, do they? No, nope, Totally shut down. Belly up. Totally shut down. So Kingsway Mall, my uh, mall of choice, my friendly neighborhood mall. Superb. Uh, so the, where the HMV was at the top of the escalator by the Sears, it's now Sunrise Records. No kidding. So you look at the outside, it looks exactly like HMV. So uh, I go in there, it's set up pretty much exactly the same as HMV, except they have more vinyl. And it's not all new stuff. Like I just, I, this just stands out because it, it just struck me as, well, that's not a new... Whatever the album was Shania Twain had after Come On Over, I can't remember what it's called, but they had that on vinyl. That's going to be a 15-year-old album, yeah. if not more. Well, you can find reissues of Led Zeppelin nowadays, too. Like it's, They're reissuing everything because the popularity has come back. Um, but who's, what company is making record players? Well, Sony still makes record players. There's a lot of high-end ones still, too. You could spend $1,000 on a record player, no problem. Really? Oh, yeah. Man, you're a knowledgeable young man. I have a lot of records. <laughs> Do you I've, really? I've got about 500, yeah. Do you currently buy, buy records? Uh, yeah, the last one I bought would have been a Foo Fighters album. Like, their last one, Sonic Highways, probably is the last vinyl that I bought. All right. Doesn't it annoy people to get up and have to switch sides? I tell you what draws me to that is the, the inconvenience, uh, the weight, uh, and having to store them all. You know, that's it's really appealing. Yeah, where do you store them? I, I built my own shelf to accommodate them. I have to do a little old-fashioned shelf building. Yeah, get out the hammer and the nails and them short pants with the pockets. So anyway, you got the uh, Sunrise Records, which also had a surprising number of uh, CDs. Because I, I, I don't think Best Buy has CDs anymore, do they? They might have one little aisle. You know, it's been longer that, since I bought a CD than it has since I bought vinyl. And a lot of vinyl you buy nowadays, too, is you get the record, and it comes with a download code, so you can oh, download right. it to your phone, so you get See, the best I've, of both. I've totally gone Apple Music. Uh, I think it's 10 bucks a month. I can add whatever I want to my library. It's all up in the magic cloud. 
and I, I type, I want a song, I type it in, I find it, and I play it, I add it to a playlist, and uh, I, I'm a happy man. Now, all joking aside, that is the most convenient way to do it. That's why I do it. Yeah, makes sense. That's why I do it. For a guy like me who, as a kid, was flipping over records and then flipping over tapes, well, but then they made the tape decks that it just automatically started playing the next side. Auto-reverse. Auto-reverse, that's what it was called. That was <laughs> that was pretty cool. And then they had the, t- they didn't always work very well, but they had the tape decks that could detect the break between songs. Songs, right, so you could just hit fast forward; it would go ahead and stop automatically where oh, the next really? song started. Oh, that's yeah, nice to me. That was, it was it was it was pretty fancy. If we got them in Evansburg, they must have been everywhere. Uh, Twenty nineteen, Winnipeg leading Toronto in the final minute of an entertaining uh, first half in the Canadian Football League tonight. Andrew Ference retired today. Talked to Bob Stoffer. Had an interesting clip here about toughness and team unity. You could go over size and stuff, and I mean, I guess size does matter to a certain extent, but I think I've had this conversation with before. Right. I, I think it boils down to just caring, you know? Like, you really do care about your team and, and the jersey that you're pulling on, and you have that pride of, of you know, wanting the people watching you to to be proud that they're wearing the jersey and, and, and that you can look across the, the dressing room and know that the, the guy across the room for you cares as much as you do and, and, and it will be there for you at every single turn. And and I think, you know, Oilers fans saw that in the playoffs, right? I mean, I, that's what Peter brings those kind of people in and people that don't buy in, they're gone. And, because, you know, everybody in the NHL is strong, you know, everybody works out and everybody's fast and, you know, like you have those physical aspects, but but not everybody fully buys into a team plan or fully buys into uh, you know sacrificing their their personal stuff for for the for the good of the team and and that's that's like the attitude side of it that Boston had that's the attitude side that you you can see that a lot of good playoff teams have is is that they just really care about each other and they care about the team and and when you do that in a sport like ours that can be sometimes pretty violent I mean. It it, uh, it it brings out that toughness because you're fighting you're fighting for something that you believe in, right? Um, and it's more than just uh, looking out for yourself. Absolutely. Um, so that that's happening here for sure because you, because of not only the mantra that's being put put down from from the top, but also because um, of the people that Peter's bringing in and getting rid of as well. Great clip from Andrew Ference who retires today. Get the full interview on the Oilers Now page on 630Ched.com. This has been Inside Sports. Thanks to our studio producer, Patrick Bauer. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell, who was also one of the guests. You also heard from Jonathan Willis, Rory Rollick, and Tim Boychuk. Tomorrow at 6, countdown to kickoff. The game starts at 8. Eskimos and Red Blacks all here on 630 Chat. My name's Reed Wilkins. Have a great night.